This is Amateur Logic, episode number 166, for February 15th, 2022. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in amateur radio accessories, and by ICOM. Now's the time to spice up your ham shack with ICOM's new, now shipping, ID-52A handheld. The perfect radio for staying in or venturing out and working your favorite bands this winter season. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. And we have a fun and interesting show lined up for you tonight. This is uh, the middle of February. The weather's been temperatures just like that all yeah, month. So it really far. has. Yeah. It was 80 degrees yesterday. Yeah. And I, went, I went to pick up lunch. It was 80 degrees out. And about 32 last night. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Nothing like 40 and 50 degree weather shifts to get everybody sick again. Yeah. True. Well, tell me what's been going on with you since the last show. Uh, Not too much. Been playing around my handy talkie and uh, working on that, uh, trying to work on the repeater we got a little bit here and Mm -hmm. there, trying to get that stuff ready. But uh, other than that, not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, I've been trying to work on getting that repeater ready too. Yeah, <laughs> I've got us an antenna situated, so. Uh, yeah, we've had a few challenges here and there getting ready for it. Not nothing with the repeater, just on our side getting set up. Yeah, there's a, a good bit more stuff to do than you would have thought until you actually get to doing it. So. Yeah, and you guys will find out more about that later as we get it on the air. Yeah, hopefully, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So. Wow, I don't know. It's just uh, it's been kind of busy for me. Just a lot of different projects going on. Speaking of which, one I will be demonstrating tonight, a little later in the show here. It's uh, well, it's basically an ESP32 VGA. Yeah, you showed me, showed me that last time I was here. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. it looks very interesting. There's actually. Well, I'll talk about it more when we when we get to it. What what are you going to be talking about tonight? Uh, my handy talkie I've been playing around with. Uh, okay. Doing some uh, getting started stuff, and I've seen people post about uh, how to update the repeater list. So we're going to go through a really easy way to do that. Several several quick getting started things for the radio. Okay. Uh, Mike, what's been going on up there? Well. As you, as you may or may not notice that I'm on a staycation in Cumbria this evening. Oh, you are? I thought you were parked in a truck in Ottawa or something. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. 
I don't think I'm going to get too close to that, even if I wanted to. I think that's uh, that's over now. Yeah, it sounds like it's not not going all that great right now. So, uh, interesting it's, times. It's lasted weeks. It's amazing. It's uh, it's not just in one city. It it travels around a bit, and I don't think they're finished yet. So. Oh, okay. well, it's kind of sparked to... some from all over the world. There are other places having similar things going on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not one for civil disobedience. Don't get me wrong, but I I, I do support people's rights to protest uh, mm-hmm. as long as it's done properly and legally. And I yeah. I didn't care to see the children there too much. But um, yeah. anyway, uh, those parents have to make their own decisions. So. Anyway, I hope everybody's well, and uh, I'm enjoying my staycation. Wow. Okay, we'll learn more about that here very <laughs> soon, I have a feeling. Email, what's been going on down there? Well, George, uh, you know, speaking of the ups and downs of the weather, uh, that doesn't stop people like me and uh, Glenn, KC5, KG5CEN in the chat room there from uh, doing things like winter field day or playing with special little devices that we build out in the field. So that's what I'm going to be talking about in uh, my segment later on. But uh, other than those two things, we're uh, getting ready for the big fat Tuesday down here in Mardi Gras on March 1st. So the weather's right, and uh, hopefully some of the parades will – not freeze us to death, if not uh, give us some uh, fun times. So that's what's going on down this way. Oh, yeah. We've been seeing a lot of posts about Mardi Gras uh, up here even, this yeah. far north. Yeah. It's a... <laughs> way up here. Yeah. <laughs> we know how to start a party. It, it kind of spreads. Yep. Yeah, it has. It's, it's spread all over the south here. Everybody gets in on the celebration. I think. I don't know. Have we done a show since the uh, Jackson Ham Fest? This first one since. No, this would be the first one. Yeah. So I went to a ham fest. Congratulations. Yeah, Here. I told you I, I was going to do that. You want some hand sanitizer? No, that's okay. That. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> I've I've already had it now, and you have too, and everything else. But... uh yeah, I had a pretty good time down there. It's a, you know, Capital City Hamfest here in Jackson, Mississippi was going on. It was the last weekend of January, mm-hmm. and a pretty good crowd down there. It's in a same location, but in a new building. They've uh, torn down the trademark and rebuilt it since the last time we had a Hamfest. Oh, is it in the exact same spot or is it in that new building? No, that's it's in the new the building. Oh, cool. So... Um, yeah, pretty nice facility. Uh, met a number of friends there that I hadn't seen since the last time fest, which was, I don't know, two or three years ago. Seems yeah. like, I don't um, know how long ago it was. It was. Yeah. Two so, years ago, I think. Two years. All right. So it was, uh, it was a good time. I didn't buy much. I bought, uh, a thousand watt used dummy load. For a project at work, I didn't need it here, but uh, picked that up from a friend, and I think that's it. That was my only purchase this year. Yeah, 
You come out pretty cheap then. Well, you know, if you uh, figure in what I paid for it and how much it weighs, I think it was a pretty good cost versus if you, pound ratio. If you paid per pound? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't go up, obviously, yeah. in the comments, but uh, I'll be at the next one. I think we're. I think this is stuff's pretty much over. Hopefully, we shouldn't be shut down anything waiting yeah. forward. I don't think so. Uh, well, we'll see. Who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? Uh, Tommy, I think you have an email over there that addresses some things that happened I, recently. I do have an email, not an email. He's right there. <laughs> um. And this one's a couple months old, so sorry about that. But uh, anyway, this one's from our friend uh, Jocelyn, KD8VRX, or his Canadian call is VA2VRX. But it says, uh, sorry I missed the Christmas episode. Of all the episodes to miss, my torturery, I messed that up, Mike, meat pie episode, that's bad for a French-Canadian, attaches a picture of his meat pie made for Christmas and his famous date squares. And it looks really good. For me, your taste, we were talking about cinnamon in the meat pie. And I, I huh. didn't really place it as being cinnamon, but I, I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, also folks had nutmeg or clove. And then there's some recipes below, which I grabbed a couple of the pictures from the recipes. It looks pretty interesting. I might try to make that meat pie next year. Hmm. I've uh, I've kind of become the cook for the holidays at the house, so I'm going to give it a whirl. He also did the date squares. I've got to say, Jocelyn's actually look better than the ones on the recipe site there. Yeah. Um, anyway, he moves on to the ham clock. His ham clock runs on the Pi Zero W. He only uses it via VNC on his main shack, um, you know, used for the display in another window. And then he talks yeah. about my LifePo 4 battery segment I did. Uh, he says he's got a 12 amp hour battery and he can he can run his IC7200 for about three and a half hours at 90 watts. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, 50 amp hours is going to last me a while. Imagine if I ran the IC705 at 10 watts on that, you can do 24 hours of field day with it, and I I plan on doing that. Wow. Uh, anyway, 73 Jocelyn. So appreciate that, Jocelyn. And your uh, your meat pie. I I got the pronunciation for Mike before the show, but I've already wrecked it, so I'm not. I can't save it. Mike, yeah. you can you can clean up behind me if you want to. Just just say tort. Tort. <laughs> I can do that. Tort. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now, how, um, how do you really pronounce? I don't know. It? I get kind of nervous every time I see an ad um, that says your personal sound next to a food recipe. <laughs> <laughs> so how how do you really pronounce it again? Tort. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, in turn, that's what I heard. I don't think that's what came out. I I heard him tell you that earlier, and you act like you were going to be able to say that when yeah. it came time. I, I knew I wouldn't. Well, that's a good. My acting yeah. skills are better than my speaking skills. My grandfather was Scottish, <laughs> and he used to just call it tort. So, just call it tort. That sounds good. Yeah, but it does look good, and uh, it it was the one that you sent was great. So. I think I'm going to try it. I'm going to save this recipe. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to see what uh, people in different countries consume mm-hmm. and and do. And speaking of that, did any of you receive a mysterious package in the mail recently? Uh, if you mean mysterious, mine sort of stopped ticking since I received it. <laughs> oh, did you dunk it in water? 
I hope not. No, I don't think so. I received a half of a package at your place. Well, that, and I think that's both halves right there. But which half? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen, so I wore my uh, New Zealand Fire and Rescue shirt. <laughs> yeah. In case you need it. And best. if something runs out of here, I brought a chicken neck and a and a cord and a net like crabbing in case we need to ca- catch yeah. whatever it was. Well, the reason back. we say that is because this package came from the U.K. Actually, uh, Barrel and Furnace, Yeah, I believe. Yeah, came uh, from my friend Nigel. Yeah, KG0PL, who is probably in the chat room over there. Well, well package, I might add. Yes. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Hermetically sealed. Does you ready to cut it open? Yeah, let's let's see what's in there. And like Tommy said, you know, maybe maybe have a club ready or a knife or something. <laughs> uh, uh, I it, bet it's, you know, I think I know what it might be. Coming I'm from Nigel, that's a haggis right there, and we're hoping that's not what's in the package. Yeah, he said, that's why I was talking about that. I had the chicken neck in the court to try to lure it back in. <laughs> what the heck is that? That's a haggis. It's a wild haggis. Yeah. Okay. I think it might be akin to a drop bear. It's a wee haggis. <laughs> It's wrapped very well. It is. It made it. I think this this could survive events where a black box couldn't. <laughs> yeah, Tommy's half of Tommy's is mine. Yeah. Which which half? Well, we hadn't decided that yet. If it's a haggis, what comes out. he can have both halves. <laughs> well, if I can catch it. Well, yeah, true. It's like one of those Chinese nesting dolls. You, you open one up and there's another smaller, slightly smaller one inside. Oh, oh the little Russian dolls? Yeah. Oh, wow, man. A whole <laughs> other layer of tape, 100%. He didn't make this easy. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for this evening. <laughs> Tune in next month. I, I used to wrap people's Christmas presents like that right. for fun. Shake it and be sure it doesn't growl. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Here we go. Oh, and it's green, which means it's almost invisible. Uh, I don't know. Looks like you did it right. Just didn't fold right or something. Oh, hey, Mel, are these chiwis? No, no, don't eat those, Mike. Don't eat them. Oh, cool. There's a tooth strainer in here. Uh, Hmm. Oh, wow. Aren't they made out of cornstarch? That could be a... Stainless steel teapot. Oh, a teapot. I... I would not have thought that. A pair of pajamas. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. That's some kind of bag. I'm not sure what that's about yet. There it is. Awesome. And then there's another box inside here. So let's see. 
making a mess back here in the shack. What in the... I'm not sure what that thing is. What's the sound? Warning, I'm... and I can't pronounce it. Oh, warning to avoid dangerous suffocation. Keep this wrapper away from babies and children. I better keep this over here. Oh, and then two things of uh, Cumberland rum butter. Oh, awesome. Wow. Thank you, Nigel. Wow. Thanks a lot. Well, let me see. The note says, Hello, George. Now try local delicacy Cumberland rum butter sandwich with your bread of choice. Yeah, this stuff was great. Yeah. You know, he sent some of that one before. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. It's very yeah. excellent. As a matter of fact, I lost the uh, the thing. And I like to, one of my cousins, I like to give her kind of unusual Christmas gifts like that. And I was going to get some cool little teapot in there. Yeah. Uh, will you tell me how to make a British cup of tea or Chinese green tea? In a pot, not brewed in a cup or mug. Please wait for me to give clear instructions how to make a proper cup of tea. Along with Tommy, Mike, and email also that be getting a jar of Cumberland rum butter. So I guess that's what you guys got, got in there as well. One for you, one for Tommy in this parcel. Enjoy your sandwich, maybe do a live segment as myself as guest. Oops. We didn't open the package till just now, Nigel. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, nice. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate that, Nigel. Look, I'm looking forward to digging into that. You know, I thought it might have something to do with tea. So I got a teapot handy here, but I didn't know it was going to be this to do with tea, and I didn't have any bread because he totally caught me off guard on the rum butter. I was, I was not expecting that. So we may have to grab a little bread. Do you toast your bread? Oh, I don't know. I guess you could if you want. We might have to get some live instruction from Nigel. Yeah, if Nigel will tell us over in the chat room, should we toast this bread or or should we just put it on? Uh, well, all I've got is loaf bread, so it'll have to be that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I don't I don't have any cream crackers. Oh, I see Cliff uh, says, is that anything like Vegemite? No, Cliff, it is absolutely no. nothing mm -hmm. like Vegemite. It's the whole other end of the spectrum from yeah. Vegemite. Yeah, definitely. It's energy in a... In a container, that's what it is. Take a look. I don't see that. Yeah, look at that. The specs, uh, George. Like nutrition information. Oh, oh it is. 2,000 K, KJ? Kilojoules. Kilojoules. Yeah. That's pretty potent. Yeah. <laughs> Made in a factory which handles nuts and peanuts. That's okay. It's going to be eaten by some nuts. Yeah, I was going to say that's right up our alley. <laughs> this this will work out fine. 
Okay. Well, what do you say? I don't know. Let's find out what Emil and Glenn have been up to. Okay. And then we'll come back and... Rustle up some more stuff? Yeah. Sounds perfect. Hey, George. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Mike. Welcome to this episode of... Cheap Cheap Old old Men. Minutes. We're going to talk about the uh, raspberry uh, pie... What is it, Glenn? The DigiPie. The DigiPie Project. Project from uh, KM6LYW. The KM6LYW Radio DigiPie Project is capable of FT8, WinLink, FL Digi, SSTV, APRS, TNC, AX.25, BBS, Digi, and Packet managed exclusively by web browser or smartphone apps. In this first video, Glenn and I are going to build the hardware using the Pi Zero 2W to get it going. In later episodes and videos, we're going to go ahead and set it up software and use it uh, for our radio in the field. In fact, uh, we've actually already done that on winter field day by the time of this recording. But we'll go ahead and make that an episode so everyone can see. And what's special about this header there, Glenn? Okay, the uh, kit comes with a header the GPIO header that uh, you have to solder on, which means you have to uh, solder on 40 tiny uh, solder joints in order to, to put the thing in. Well, they make one that uh, is press-on or what they call hammer-on. So what they did is they came up with a jig that lets you uh, mount the pie on there and... Uh, this piece here goes over the top of the pins so you don't bend any of the pins while you tap it in. Got it. And then you don't need to solder anything because these old eyes uh, are getting to the point where I couldn't do that kind of fine solder work. <laughs> and we all have these big fat fingers for comparison there. Look yeah. at that size. So, got it. Now it's going down. Nice. So make sure you go back and forth, he said. Don't have <laughs> Ow. That, that's the uh, Raspberry Pi Zero 2W. Gotcha. And it, the 2W is the wireless. Right. It's, it's the wireless version of the of the zero and it's the second generation so it's got a, actually has a bigger cpu on it and more memory gotcha yeah, this is a usb to uh mini usb uh adapter to plug into the pi and this here is the uh the mini usb to standard usb connector for when you're uh, connecting anything to the Pi. Yes, because the Pi has the HDMI. 
it has the uh, mini HDMI has the USB and it has the power adapter here okay, this is a uh, something separate from the kit that I purchased for field work this is a uh, 12 volt to 5 volt buck converter so that uh, you'll have something to power the pie with if you're all, all you're stuck with is a, a 12 volt battery and this looks interesting glenn what is that one uh this is another add-on it's the uh zero four u four part or four port usb uh hub that connects to the bottom of the uh raspberry pi zero uh, this one uses some contact pins on the bottom that hook to pads on the back of the pie and it gets its power and everything that way instead of uh, you having to uh, power it separately. Nice. Uh, now if you don't want to connect it to the pie for whatever reason you could run the USB cable from the pie to this and still have three other USB ports because the Pi only has one. Gotcha. Which, if, you know, if you're hooking up to your radio, that uses it. This is a small uh, TFT display that you can add to the Pi, uh, and the uh, DigiPi program will show some of the information from the stations that are reporting in so you can tell whether or not you're getting signals through your radio and uh, does a, a few other things. It's got a couple little buttons on it to at the top here to change modes. Okay. Okay, this is a uh, little uh, GPS dongle. Most of the time the pies don't come with uh, a real-time clock. So you get your time off the GPS and it also gives you your position for like working parks on the air or if you're doing emergency work. And the display presses on through the headers. So putting all the pieces together is a matter of stacking them. Here you can see the header on in the Pi on top of it in the uh, USB hub here uh, stacked on and also the video, uh, the display on top of the header. There's a view of the USB hub on the bottom and there's a side view. There it is, booting up for the first time. Wait for it. Sorry, George, we never left you none. Here it is with all its pieces plugged in, USB devices, and when you do that, you can use the LSUSB command to see if it recognizes them. The field work. There you go, even runs off a battery. How about that? So I think putting it together is one thing.
using it's going to be another in another show. So there is the assembled unit there, thanks to Glenn Nye's fat hands. Uh, <laughs> and look uh, at all the lights that come on. Yeah, USB link lights on here. Uh, so it's working, it's powered, but now to use it with a radio is another story. That is what it is, George. It's a tea cosy to keep your teapot. I made that cup of tea over half an hour ago, and it's still warm on my hand. Well, oh, oh okay. You know, I just oh. walked inside to get some bread so we can try out this rum butter, and I was trying to describe it to my wife, and she said, well, that's a tea cosy. You put that over your teapot. So. She's a little bit uh, more refined than you are. Uh, Me too, because I didn't know what it was either. Yeah. I, at first, it looked like some kind of adult diaper or something, but there were no Legos. <laughs> so I, I really didn't know. But um, it, it's, handy, it's handy, George, because it being a metal teapot, it, that handle gets hot, so you can use it to hold it. I bet it does. And I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. It didn't open the package. You said don't open until. Uh, the show, so yeah. we were all, we adhered to your word exactly, and nobody yeah. really knew what was in the box, but... That was a surprise. I did have Yeah, a, the, the last time I see you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I d- yeah. Is when you make a pot of tea, what whether it be loose tea or uh, tea bags, two for the person, two to cook for Tommy, and one for the pot. <laughs> case you want another one and you and you do not tea yeah just use normal bread and spread your bun bun butter and put you and when you do it in a teapot put your milk in first milk yeah yeah that i don't know Uh, that i've ever had uh, milk in tea oh well there you go (laughs) i just drink mine straight gotta do it the proper way on the, on the oil gray, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what I usually get. I've actually got some oil gray at home. This is what I put in my honey meal. I mean, uh, Nigel. Yeah. A little spot <laughs> of honey. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Don't recommend it without coming with them, but you'll have enough sugar in it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. going to straight. <laughs> well, I've got yeah, the... Uh, good, Nigel. Pardon? I like your hat. That's very good. Well, you like this. You know, I've got one of these uh, tea strainers at home. When we went to Dallas, there was a big tea shop, and I bought a bag of loose uh, Earl Grey tea, and I bought one of these similar to this. Uh, it's on um, a chain. I, I'm a real dean. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not prefer- uh, dean mine. I, that's my ancestor's name, Deans, with the S on the end. That's the plan. Yeah, you know... We weren't sure what to expect, Nigel. Um, you know, <laughs> we thought perhaps could be one of these in the box. No, uh, I don't think your customs people would allow it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good point. Yeah, probably not. No, I'm going to open up the rum butter. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I see. Now, my- this, this, this bit, I'm not uh, anything to do with this manufacturer, but the Kendall Meat Cake Company is where 
you it's a it's a bar you can get. It's very very high in sugar and and it's um, mint mint flavored. And uh, when you go walking in the fells, like you see my Mike um, at the back, it's a, a high carbohydrate um, sugar bar. It's the same company. Oh. oh. So Kendall Mink, and it's even been on Mount Everest with it. So we've, uh, we've noticed the energy content on the yeah. label. <laughs> I said to you, hold back on the honey. <laughs> Boy, mine is. Uh, oh man, that is so good. How did you open it? There's a little plastic tab that comes off first. It just slips up right there. No. And the shop no. I, I bought it from mm-hmm. is very oh. local to me. Uh, <laughs> you want to borrow my contacts? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> everybody, everybody think your, your backdrop, Mike, is Scotland. It's not. It's my county of Cumbria. <laughs> it looks like Lake, Wind, Lake Windermere in the background. Yeah, the Lake District. Uh, Lake I, District, yeah. I... I can blame Google on that one because it de- yeah. definitely said Cumbria on on it when I looked it up, yeah. and even on the page. But what do they know? What does Google know anyway? <laughs> <laughs> they know everywhere I've been for the yeah. last month. I, I I missed talking to Peter yesterday morning. He was Ooh. tired, so I said to him, "You should go to watch the program." So I have to. Well, you have to drop him an email. So you're gonna have to watch the recorded version. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel. Yeah, I don't remember this being this good. This must be a different recipe than last time. It tastes yeah. pretty much. It tastes pretty much really? the same to me. It, it was fantastic. We ate that whole jar. That other one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. Well, this is made, that's made in the town town of Kendall, which is forty miles away from me. Yeah. Wow. If you Google Kendall Mink Cake. Uh, Quiggings, that has been there a long time, and uh, I thought you'd just try it. So that's local source again. And it, what the story is, if you do the, I've read a book called The Cumberland Rum Butter Coast. Apparently, the, the town of Whitehead was invaded by American in the War of Independence, and also it comes from the the slave trade because of they're bringing the slaves back bringing the molasses sugar back from the Caribbean and rum and the butter. So that's where it comes from. But it's got a bit of spice in it as well. Well, it's delicious. Oh, yeah. It really is. What do you think, I, Mike? Is a meal trying it's it? Great. It's way better uh, than Vegemite and Marmite. This <laughs> is empty. Uh, <laughs> Emil, he's emptied the jar. <laughs> Uh, that was good stuff. <laughs> Do you like uh, Marmite, Nigel? Uh, I, li- I like it now and again, and I've tried Vegemite. And I, to be honest with you, being a British guy, I prefer the Vegemite. It's less strong in taste. Yes, yeah, what I thought. The <laughs> Vegemite. I don't really care that much for either one of them, but if I had to have one, the Vegemite would have been the, the least. Uh... It's still yeast extract, anyway. One's meant from vegetable, one's meant from yeast extract. But it's. Uh, you can get one with less sugar in it, content in it now as well. So, uh, I'll there you go. Yeah. The oh, I'd enjoy it. The next time I see you, next time I see you, George, wash that tea, get your good lady to wash that teapot out thoroughly. And then boiling water in first, give it a rinse out, get it to two things, what warms the teapot up and kills any germs. Okay. And then, yeah. 
and then you put your tea bags to uh, so if you and Tommy are having a cup of tea you have two tea bags and one for the pot and what? let it stand for five minutes let it brew for five minutes that's why I put the tea cozy on it okay it's warm well so, you know you... I, I, I could do with a nice uh, hat as an exchange <laughs> <laughs> You had uh, you had mentioned, you know, you you want to clean your teapot with uh, mild soap, and yeah. I was thinking, well, okay, um, but this is a different teapot. I didn't know yeah. there was going to be one in the box, so yeah. we we didn't have time to wash yet tonight. Yeah. Well, the next time we see you on the show, or it be amateur logic or ham college, hear that teapot. Done properly and let it. Then you'll enjoy it, and then you'll you'll you'll, you'll taste the difference. The tea brewed in the teapot than brewed in the cup. Really? Yes, you will. Yeah, we'll have to try it. I I'm saying lots of Brits get got lazy brew it in the tea in the cup, and I don't like it. Ugh. When you go to a certain uh, MD ex restaurant, uh, they, they they give you a tea bag and and they put UHT milk with. I said no, I want fresh milk. Me, I don't like UHT milk in it. Yuck. So. <laughs> How many tea bags would you put in a pot, thirty-two ounce uh, teapot here? Well, I'd, I'd put I'd put three or four, depending on the strength of your tea. Okay. Yeah, depending on the strength of your tea. I mean, this is a British pint for, teapot, by the way. Or if you get uh, if you get the loose tea, yeah. Depending on how much yeah. you put in there. Yeah, that's it. You just want, but if you got if you got a, a teaspoon of loose tea, put that in there and use your tea strainer. Here we go, little stir. Let's let it brew for about four to five minutes, depending on the strength of your tea. Put your tea cozy in, spread your butter on your on your bread on your on your bread, and have a nice cup of tea. All right. Well, Nigel, thanks for uh, shipping that over here. You shipped uh, well to three countries there: to the United States, to Canada, and to Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah the country uh, of Louisiana. Well, in the Louisiana, I used to be something to do with France at one time. That's right, France, Spain. Uh, yeah, yes, you name it, we've been it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Nice, uh, sped, a nice baseball cap would be nice as a price present. <laughs> as long as it doesn't get chewed. Yeah. Right, yeah. Oh. Well, that that knocks out that idea, Emil. <laughs> well, in fact, my friend's dog chewed my last baseball baseball cup. It had G zero M E J and uh, and uh, K G zero P L on it. And I'm there's a ham fest coming up in Blackpool in April, and that's our first one since the COVID. Wow! So, so hopefully, I've got a car by then. So, and the motorbikes still off the road at the moment, so I'm still getting the garage still built. And I've just sent you some clips about the storm um, we've just had in Barrow, uh, all over the country of the UK. And there's, few been kill, uh, few, there's been a few uh, fatalities as well. We've had wind speeds up to uh, the, in the island and uh, white over 120 mile an hour. Wow. Get, getting up to hurricane sort of speed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, 120 yeah. miles an hour. That's about that's over hurricane. Hurricane 75. Is it? Well, we've Starts had we've had 75. speed wind speeds over over 80 over in Barrow. Wow. I have a friend high in the tide, Isle of Wight. High tide as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Rick, wait, 
Rick Wakeman better uh, batten down his uh, keyboards or they'll fly away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I do want to do when you're talking about your Raspberry Pi there, Emil, and uh, the project there. I'd love to do APRS on either. I'm on talking to you on a Linux desktop. I, I throw Windows out the out the out the door, and um, I've got into chat with this Jitsi a group of people on there. And they've been. And as soon as they asked me, found me that I was a, a Linux user. They went, well, what are you doing? I says I'm not okay on doing uh, gzips, numzips and things like that. I need a little bit more someone to show me how to do it properly and also uh, networking. And if we get on okay. to doing networking, I can network all my computers together. Alright, we could do some gzip, bzip and networking from Linux uh, yeah. possibly. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do that So, because I want to update my Chirp software because it's now in a, in a gzip or a uh, Flat pack, uh, you, yeah. they don't do PPAs anymore. Huh. Uh, so right. that was a radio related. So uh, enjoy your tea next time, George. All you'll right, you'll taste the dif- You'll taste the difference. <laughs> All right, I'm so, going to take you up on that, Nigel. We're going to try that out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Then we'll get your good lady give it a good wash out. It's dishwasher proof as well, so you can wash it out in the dishwasher. Because what I do, stop it getting stained and going brown. I'll put it in the dishwasher and clean it, keep it clean. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So my, aerial, my aerials are still up, by the way. <laughs> Great. Cool. All right, All right thanks, Nigel. Thank, now, thanks now. again, Nigel. 73. Thanks. Thank you. I'll carry on watching right. the show. Nigel. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> 73. The MFJ1928EX is a heavy-duty portable antenna stand that extends to 6 feet and collapses to only 38 inches for easy transportation. This black stainless steel stand will hold up to 66 pounds of antenna steady and comes with a fiberglass telescoping pole and military-grade quick clamps for quick setup. The MFJ2286 Big Stick is a portable monopole featuring MFJ's rugged stainless steel collapsible whip paired with an adjustable high-Q air-wound coil. Efficiency matters, so it's not surprising this winning combination stands head and shoulders above shorter backpack antennas the antenna is constructed of all aluminum and stainless steel components for years of great performance and it's rated at 1 kilowatt. While it extends to a full 17 feet, the 2-pound monopole collapses to just 28 inches in seconds. Adjusting the length of the antenna and the high-Q coil makes tuning a breeze anywhere from 7 to 55 megahertz. For the lower bands, a counterpoise wire assembly is included. Big Stick is for the ham radio operator on the move and on the go, and hungry for the next great QSO, anywhere, anytime. The MFJ2289 Big Ears use the same high-Q coil and two of the rugged collapsible monopoles. Efficiency is the key to launching a big signal in remote areas, and Big Ear does it so well, you might forget you left home. The secret is MFJ's incredibly strong and weather-resistant stainless steel telescopic whips stretching to a whopping 34-foot span, twice the length of other portable antennas. The antenna includes a robust 45-degree center mounting block with a built-in ballon, and it's good for up to 1 kilowatt. There's no counterpoise required for full 7 to 55 megahertz operation. If you need a quick setup, rugged, high-performance portable HF antenna, you can't beat the MFJ Big Stick or Big Ear. Available at MFJEnterprises.com or wherever amateur radio products are sold. 
And thanks, MFJ, for being a sponsor of Amateur Logic. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've taken that big big ear to how many I've used a events? big ear at least uh at least three field days and I've used it at the house. Actually I've used it at four field days. Oh. Because I used this last time when I went by myself. Uh huh. Cool. Good antenna for, for something compact and mm-hmm. it's a ni- it's a nice match with my seven oh five kit. Yeah. Hmm. Email. Do you have, wait for it, <laughs> an email? Email. Say, say that three times real fast. Hey, hold on. Email. Yes, I have an email, George. Um, <laughs> so, Gerald Werner, WB9, WBN in Michigan. Oh, I'm sorry, Wisconsin. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble now. Um, let me make sure I get that right. Yeah, Marshfield, Wisconsin. Uh, he sent me a note about um, Winter Field Day. Seems to be a theme here. Uh, about a week before Winter Field Day, he was talking to someone about tuning long wires and his uh, using his IC705 in his tuner. And he said he bet he couldn't or couldn't could tune up a 50 foot power cord. Uh, he said, and then a light went off. He said, okay, I'm doing this for field day just to see. And he said the night before winter field day, he had 50 feet of power cord stretched out in the house, uh, over a dining room chair, across the living room couch, down the hall, across the doorknob, into a bedroom, plugged the cord into a receptacle he made and uh, attached it to the uh, binding post to the tuner and, uh, about 13 feet of wire to the ground post as well. So he said his first contact that night was on JS8 call um, from Wisconsin over to uh, Williams Lake, British Columbia, and uh, to VA7RYL. He said, good signal, and the QSO lasted over a half an hour. Wow. He did the same thing the next day, except he put it out in the tree, and he didn't realize it, but the uh, wire had fallen out of the tree, and he was operating like that pretty much the whole time. And still made over uh, 30 stations in about 50 minutes. Um, wow. So that was uh, that was an interesting email from uh, Jerry over there. And speaking of JSA call, I don't know if anybody's used this yet or looked into it, but that program is a very interesting mix of a modified FT8 or JS8, as they call it, by uh, KN4CRD. Um, it's basically like a keyboard-to-keyboard chat, but there's also other features of it like um, relaying through another station if you can't hear someone that the other station can hear. Almost like packet, if you will, where it can get who they can hear with like MHERD or J commands if people are used to packet. But uh, it's all over HF, and it's using those low noise or, or um, no, noise floor you know, and below uh, modes. So very interesting stuff. So thanks for sharing that with us, uh, Jerry. And... Uh, Back to you, George. Okay, Mel. Uh, sounds like, well, you operated Winterfield Day, and uh, email did too. No, I actually didn't this oh, year. Oh, you didn't? No, I was kind of under the weather. Remember? That's right, that's right. I was just kind of getting over having the the uh, the virus of which we don't won't speak its name. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did I did work Winter Field Day. In fact, I worked it with Glenn and our W five SLA <laughs> club here in Slidell. Um, yeah, you got some pictures over there somewhere? No, I don't. Um, okay, I was. I didn't get your email till just before the show. I didn't have time to bring them in. Do you have them? I do. And I have the link right here. So hold on. Let me uh, try to pull this up and then wait for it. It's going to be cropped a little bit here. Okay. Tell me, tell me if you see the pictures here. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Glenn and I worked in uh, fields. We have a field that we go out to uh, a ham graciously always hosts our event at his farm. And uh, Glenn KG five CEN brought his uh, portable TARDIS here so that we could teleport through uh, when we make contacts, we could actually go meet the persons that we're uh, talking to. That's his portable uh, toilet. I mean, TARDIS uh, (laughs) tent. And here we have uh, a setup mobile setup using uh, WinLink, sending some email messages through our uh, local Digi and however else we can. And uh, there's some of the uh, the lively life there. This this field used to be a uh, polo field, in fact, if I heard that right. Hmm. And here's our stations. We were operating, uh, I believe we were operating two or three outdoor Louisiana. Um and here is the MFJ antenna we had on Glenn's mast in the field there. It did a great job. Got MFJ auto tuner at the bottom of the base of it, running back to uh, oh, nice. the trucks there. And as you can see here, we had extremely adverse conditions. It was unbearable, and I don't know what to say about it other than, wow, winter field day was really a challenge this year. Hi, hi. <laughs> there's the antenna out in the uh, field there a little ways away from us it's always good to get out of that rf zone and here's glenn showing somebody on the icom his icom 5100 uh us hitting up uh with the portable antenna stand from mfj there to the left he, we were hitting a uh a d-star repeater uh way north of us on battery there so glenn was showing some peoples how to use the d-star resources around us and of course, what would these extremely adverse conditions be without fried catfish and what we call brontosaurus ribs here? <laughs> oh man, uh, I wish you guys would have had jambalaya. And yeah, we we didn't have the jambalaya, <laughs> but that fish was the bomb. And so, of course, were the ribs. And and our our host is always a great. Uh, Host, he lets us drive out there in the field. And, of course, he operates, too, from his uh, uh, farm. So, Email? G- yes. Back up one photo there. Oh. Yeah, what's what are them horses circling your truck for? No, not, th- <laughs> not that one. Um, the one that looks like a portable TARDIS. Okay. What, uh, what is going on? Yeah, what is that? Well, like, like I said, we uh, once you make when we made the contacts to the other people, you could just walk in there through space and time and actually meet the contact on the other end. Okay. Otherwise known. Hey, as is a that a porta potty poking through the side there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> yeah. 
This looks like Never something. Never mind. This looks like something Wayne would bring to Phil Day, doesn't it? Glenn had a plan. That's all I got to tell well, you. Is Glenn Wayne's had a plan? Would come and with he a newspaper holder. <laughs> executed. That's too much information. So. Well, looks like y'all had a, a fun time there. Always, yes. It's a great time, and we made contacts. And believe it or not, I'll talk a little bit more about this because Glenn did a great job on this. Uh, you saw my segment just now. Yeah. We te- we tested. This is going to be another video coming up, but we tested that pie in the field, and it works great. We weren't connected to anything. We were sending emails via this little bitty uh, you know, Raspberry Pi with the digital modes basically controlling the whole thing from a web browser on your phone. That project is awesome if you haven't tried it. I mean, we've all talked about uh, hotspots for our digital voice modes. That's a hotspot for all the digital modes, literally all of them. Wow, cool. It takes a little bit to get it to work, and and Glenn did an awesome job. And we've even talked to the uh, author of the software, and... Glenn's been working with them, and we might even talk to him here. So we'll see. Cool. That'd be great. All right. Uh, well, speaking of little bitty small computers, yeah. microcontrollers, <clears throat> I got another one here oh, just a couple of weeks ago. Got to playing with it, and what I'm going to show you here just barely scratches the surface of it. I mean, because there's so much to show. I recorded a lot more. I'll probably show some more in the future. But for right now, this is the TTGO VGA32. This is a microcontroller, in particular an Arduino Uno. A microcontroller is a small computer chip that contains the CPU, one or more cores, some memory, and some basic input-output lines on it where you can control things or get signals back from other devices. They're useful in a lot of different applications. You may find these in a dishwasher, a washing machine, a remote control. Almost any small device that needs to do anything these days is using a microcontroller. The Arduino is one of the more popular ones around. It's open source, as well as their integrated development software, It supports more than just the Arduino boards alone. This is an ESP32 microcontroller. There's the main chip that does most everything right there, but, you know, there's some added stuff to here that we couldn't do with the Arduino. First up, it's a lot faster. It has a lot more memory than that Arduino Uno. There's also built-in Wi-Fi as well as Bluetooth. These are really quite a bit more powerful than a standard Arduino. And the price is not bad on them, too. They're relatively cheap, and there's a lot of them out there. This is another variation of it. This has the TTGO ESP32 module. It's smaller. There's a few more components on the board here. The Wi-Fi module, it looks like there is no internal antenna printed on the PC board like there is on the other ESP32s. There is a little antenna jack right there where you could connect an external one and get some good range out of it. I found just working around the shack here, though, it's worked just fine without an antenna. 
There's a few other things different about it. You know, this one has a lot of I.O. pins on it, and you don't see as many available here. That's because they took some of those I.O. pins and assigned them to other things, like a VGA video port and a PS2 keyboard and mouse port and a micro SD card slot right there where you can add a memory card to act as a hard drive or a floppy drive or, or an SD card. To add these extra ports, to add this VGA, these PS2 ports, and the SD card, they just use some of the standard I.O. ports available on the chip. Therefore, you don't have as many free to connect other devices to. This one I purchased from Amazon. It is a Dollar Tech brand VGA32 version 1.4 controller, and it costs $21.99. Now, I have an Amazon Prime account, so I didn't pay anything for shipping. And, of course, it arrived fast as well. That's the reason I chose that route. You can buy a Lilygo TTGO VGA32 anywhere from $12.48 to $15.28. With shipping, you're looking to spend about $18.59 and wait a month for it to arrive. So I didn't mind spending the two or three extra dollars to get this one on in here. This board features a TTGO Micro 32 chipset. It's got four megabytes of flash RAM. It's got 520 kilobytes of SRAM, a 40 megahertz crystal oscillator on board, of course, the VGA, PS2, and audio outputs. And it works anywhere from 2.7 to 3.6 volts. Working current, a mere 30 milliamps. When it's sleeping, it's only 230 microamps. So this would be good for a battery-powered project. It's got 802.11 B, G, and N standards. And it also supports Bluetooth version 4.2 and Bluetooth low energy standards. If it's not already installed, you will need to install the ESP32 dev module. You can find more information on how to do that at the link provided here to Random Tutorials. And there's free operating systems available for this as well. The free real-time operating system is included, I guess, burned on it when you get it. But you can do many others with the FabGL library. And it's produced by Fabrizio Di Vittorio. FabGL works with many ESP32 boards with VGA, PS2, and micro SD card circuits added. You can take a regular ESP32 and connect your own VGA ports and PS2 ports to it, as well as the SD card, by just adding a few resistors, maybe a few capacitors. It's not many components to do that. This model just includes it already. Let's try it out here and see what we can do. First, we have to download a library named FabGL. So we go to Tools, Manage Libraries, We'll go to the search box and we'll type in FabGL. After the library has been installed, we'll want to go to File, Examples. Go all the way down here where we find FabGL. Go over to VGA. Now we've got a number of options here. Everything from an Altair 8800 
ANSI terminal, uh, all kinds of stuff, file browser. Uh, there is a multitasking PCM, PC emulator, simple text terminal out. Down here at the bottom, VIC-20. We'll load up the VIC-20 library here. We'll click the Upload button, and it starts compiling. And in the process, it's going to look for any errors that might be in the code or anything that's missing. And it will do all that before it actually tries to upload it into the ESP32. There we go. It's writing to it right now. So now let's plug in our keyboard, mouse, and VGA monitor and see what we've got. After the firmware is uploaded, we boot into this menu right here where there are a lot of different VIC-20 games loaded. I never ran a VIC-20. I had a Commodore 64. So this will be new to me. I'm familiar with Pac-Man. And here we go. We're off to the races. For skill level one, I'm not doing very good. This will uh, maybe tell you why I'm not a gamer. The CPU here is a lot faster than a VIC-20. I'm not sure if that's causing this thing to go so fast. Could be. Using a mouse is not a good way to do this. I think I've decided that. Well, let's try another game. We'll try Donkey Kong. How high can you get? Oh, not very high. This time, we'll just jump right into the operating system. I'll click on Run. And here we are at the VIC-20 Commodore Basic Prompt. Let's try a sample program. And we'll type the run command. Appears to be working. Can you see why I don't really like gaming? <laughs> I, I think I saw. I think I saw that. But uh, you're so good you know, at it. <laughs> I think it's moving a whole lot faster than the regular Pac-Man because I and I'm trying to drive with a mouse too. I don't have a joystick, but you could choose there whether you wanted to use uh, cursor keys or a mouse or uh, or a joystick, but I don't think he translated over the joystick stuff to it, so I didn't have one anyway. But I did a lot more than that. Um, you noticed how many different programs you could load into it, different sketches there. There was one uh, for PC emulation that was very interesting. When you clicked on it and loaded it in and booted it up, there was a lot more stuff there in the menu that I was hmm. totally not expecting. And I don't know, maybe next month we'll look at some of that because, uh, yeah, the VIC-20 was cool. 
But it'll do a lot more than that. That just. Uh, yeah, I started on the VIC-20. Somebody in the chat room, too, Paul Griffith, is saying he started on the VIC. That's the first one I had. Yeah. I wish it had a Commodore 64 emulation, and I'm going to say right now, yeah, that device is capable of it. No problem there because it's running stuff a lot more complex than uh, Commodore 64 and some of those other um, yeah. um, programs. Did there. you try the uh, Windows Me edition? It did not have the Windows Me edition. No, it didn't have that <laughs> one. God. But when I tried it, all I got was a blue screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it was, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, I skipped. Except you had to pay for it. Yeah. You had to pay for your blue screen. I skipped every other version. That was one on the skip list there. Yeah, it was bad. Me and Vista were bad. Yeah. But tune Microsoft back in. Bob. Yeah. Tune back in next time because there are um Yeah, there's there's some lot better stuff than just the Vic twenty there. Yeah, it looks really like an interesting device for for twenty bucks yeah. roughly. You can get it a lot cheaper than that. Well, I think I said twelve something, but you're gonna be ordering it and waiting a month for it to show up and I wanna mm-hmm. go ahead and get it in and uh, well, it was actually, I think, came out to about 18 by the time you put shipping with it. Something like that. Anyway, not very expensive and uh, does an awful lot. So, let's see where we are on the rundown here. Oh, Mike. I don't think, I don't know if this was an email or what this was, but you had a topic for tonight that you were going to use last month, but unfortunately you weren't able to make the show. Yeah, I, I was MIA last month, unfortunately, but um, this is, um, well, I, I don't know what slides you've got there, but um, there's one from, from Bloomberg, Bloomberg Magazine talking about the uh, chip shortage. And um, actually, I think Chip's in the chat room. Chip uh, K9MIT is our uh, intrepid field reporter on this one. We got into a discussion uh, one afternoon on on Echolink, and uh, we we couldn't realize why there was a chip shortage two years after the initial shortage happened. But uh, this article takes you through various reasons why that actually happened. And um, if you want to flip to the uh, to the pictures, George, uh, as I said, our intrepid field reporter Chip uh, managed to uh, to spy spy these photos for us. And this is uh, from a GM uh, production plant uh, who shall not be named. And uh, they're all sitting in the yard waiting for chips. So if you're wondering why, uh, you know, your order for a new pickup truck is uh, is so hard to fulfill, uh, now you know the reason why, because they're all sitting in a yard waiting for chips. <laughs> thanks, oh. uh, thanks, Chip K9MIT, for those photos, by the way. Yeah, thanks, Chip. Thanks, Chip, for keeping us up to date on the chips. Chip. You know, if one of us was really smart, we could that's probably... That's not going to happen, then. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably take an Arduino and write our own operating system for a truck. I just don't know that I would want to drive it. But <laughs> No, I don't even want to be on the road with it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, I don't know. There's there's probably a lot more going on than one would think. 
Oh, I yeah. mean, when you think of your uh, your father's vehicle before uh, electronic control modules came along, um, it was pretty basic point-to-point -point wiring to devices and sensors. And now you've got, uh, you know, multiple microcontrolled modules uh, that are controlling various things and monitoring different things. And it's no wonder you can't really <laughs> repair your own vehicle anymore oh, other yeah. than you can replace your own vehicle. I say we go back exactly. and get vehicles now with a set of points, mm -hmm. real spark plugs, and a distributor cap with a little button in there. That the whole the whole bit, man, just throw all the chips away. If you had owned a Ford Courier with a one point eight liter engine, <laughs> you would change your mind on that. Yeah, I've had problems with the yeah. points before. <laughs> I've, I've adjusted set points, replaced them so many times. Uh, you'd. Everything, it'd just be running fine, and all of a sudden it would quit, and it wouldn't crank. And you look in there, and the points were just twisted up. No good reason. Yeah. yeah. Well. But well, you could find plenty of them. Yeah. Well, we got more to go here, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Now is the time to spice up your ham shack with ICOM's new, now shipping, ID-52A handheld. This radio is perfect for staying in or venturing out and working your favorite bands this holiday season. ICOM's newest handheld amateur radio is a VHF-UHF dual bander with D-Star and FM dual mode functions. The ID-52A is now shipping. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex, repeater, regional, and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. The ID-52A is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display and the ability to send photos over D-Star with a connected Android device. Other features include wideband receiver with guaranteed range of 144 to 148 and 440 to 450 megahertz, simultaneous receive for VHF, VHF, UHF, UHF, VHF, UHF with dual DV mode. Integrated GPS GLONASS receiver including grid square location, micro SD card slot, micro USB for data transfer, programming, and charge, and it meets IPX7 waterproof specifications. For more information on this and all the great ICOM radios, visit icomamerica.com amateur. And thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. If you hear a noise... I hear bacon frying. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, uh, the kettle, I've, the electric kettle. I've turned it back on. I'm going to pour a little more in here and refresh my... <laughs> My tea bag a little bit. I've got uh, constant comment. You remember Elliot and Robert sent us that package of tea a while mm -hmm. back. Yeah, that's pretty yep. good. I had one of those. That's the first time I've ever had that one. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one, really. So, speaking of that handy talkie. Speaking of, well, let's let's look at it. Okay. Well, I recently got my ID52A in. I've had it for a couple months, and I really love this thing. I've been noticing on some of the Facebook groups that people are having questions about setting it up, updating the repeater list, and things like that. So I thought I might give you a quick head start guide this month on how to do that. Now, I have used this radio for a few months. First thing I do when I get one is I put the 
micro SD card in, and then I saved the settings to uh, of the default settings that came with the radio so I can use it for demos or if I want to just restore it back to default it's really easy to do that hit the menu button here click set go to SD card save settings pick you a file or create a new one now I have mine I named it default just so I could do it easily first and foremost to use the US trust D-Star repeaters and reflectors you need to be registered on the system to do that find your closest repeater you can go to dstarinfo.com repeater maps and list and maps by region or repeater list and find the one that's closest to you if you don't have one close by there's an alternative my local repeater is k5rkn this one i registered on to register at the top there's a registration button just click that and go ahead and follow the instructions it's really easy if you do have trouble go back over here to dstarinfo.com and there's a how to register link right here if you're not sure if you're registered click am i registered put your call sign in five zero and you can see that i definitely am registered if you don't have a repeater or you need help click on how to register there's information right here on how to do it some uh, screenshots there's even a video at the bottom that shows you how to register if you don't have a repeater close by you can register on this website you can go to regist.dstargateway.org that'll take you right here and you can register from that site as well now there, there are other systems as well i'm, I'm not going to cover those because uh, they're really too many we, we may do that at a later time you need to add your call sign next to your radio so when you transmit your call sign goes out with your digital packet now while that's that's legal from the fcc standpoint uh, I would recommend IDing with your voice as well because there are a lot of systems that are linked together these days and you might actually be going out over uh, linked to uh, DMR, other systems, FM, other systems that don't support that digital packet. So it's always a good idea in my opinion to do that now. So let's go ahead and add our call sign. Let's go into menu, set, scroll way up near the top. I think there's a my, my station. Hit the selector button in the middle of the rocker switch here to select. Now do my call sign. Hit it again. Now we're on number one. Uh, to edit that one, touch the quick button at the bottom. Bring up edit. Click the selector to edit it. And put your call sign in. You can change the letters by turning the knob at the top. Let's see. In. Move to the next field. Hit the right button on the, the right side of the rocker five now you can scroll on down here and put uh, id 52 in it if you want uh, i do that normally but just to keep this video short i'm going to skip that this time so that's done let's hit the menu to come back out of there uh, i like to turn the gps functions on mine for dprs so when i transmit it sends my coordinates as well using the G built-in gps on the radio so i'm gonna hit menu go over to gps select that GPS transmit mode and it's off by default. I'm going to put it on DPRS. The unproto address has a string for it by default, so I'm just going to leave that alone and go back. And, and I have it set, it's turned on. So when my GPS has a sync, it'll send my coordinates. Next, we want to learn about DR mode. DR mode makes it really easy. Uh, I got one of the original 
radios before DR mode came in. I've got an IC92, which I love that it's a great radio, but it was a little bit more difficult. DR mode makes it so much easier. So to get into DR mode on the bottom of the rocker switch down here, we've got a DR, just hold that down and it'll go into DR mode in whichever band you have selected or whichever side of the radio. This one will listen to two frequencies at one time or transmit in one. I'm going to turn off this bottom one just to make things a little easier to see. To do that, let's hold down the main dual button on the front of the radio, and that makes this display just a little bit larger. To pick a local repeater, we can use the GPS. We go down to the From field, touch the rocker, pick a Near Repeater, touch the, rocker, the button again, and do All, and it'll bring up whatever's closest by. Now we only have four repeaters showing up here. So the radio comes with, and they're all D-Star, no FMs. Let's go back one. You see we've got all DV or FM. If I pick FM, there's nothing found. Let's take care of that. I'm going to use the SD card and download the updated repeater list. So let's turn the radio back off, pull the SD card out. So it's going to bring that up. Let's go over to D-Star Info. Downloads, repeater list for DR mode radios, and let's put in our location. I'll put my zip code in, 39110, hit enter. It knows that I'm in Madison, Mississippi. It's got my coordinates, and I can pick the radio that I want the list for. But I'm going to use do my 52A. I'm going to do about 25% of FM repeaters, and I'm going to leave about five slots for custom stuff. So let's download it. It's, uh, it's giving me a default name. Let's go find our SD card, our ID52, the CSV folder, because it's going to give us a comma-separated value uh, file, um, repeater list. And let's give it a name. And because this one's for Mississippi, I'll just pick MS. Now, if you want to go look at that, you can open it up in Excel, and it'll show you. You can modify it in here if you want to add your own uh, list but I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and just take it by default this is handy if you don't really have the icom software or any third-party software that you're using you don't really need it so let's go ahead and close that I've, i downloaded the file into the card let's, let's confirm it csv repeater list and there it is now let's eject the card safely eject safe to remove the hardware let's put it back into our radio Carefully making sure we did it in the right orientation. Turn the radio back on and let's load it. Hit menu, go over to set, the selector button, go all the way down to SD card again, import, export, import, repeater list, and there's my MS that we just downloaded off of the Star Info com website so i'll go ahead and select that keep the skip list sure uh, import the file this defaults to no so be sure you select yes and hit the selector give it a few moments to load okay completed reboot the radio so let's do that power off power on let's go back in dr mode by holding down the dr button on the rocker Let's uh, pick from and see if we've got uh, more repeaters. Go down to near repeater, near repeater, all. And you can see we've got quite a, a bigger list. And some of these, it may be a little difficult to see, but some of these say FM beside them. 
Uh, those are FM, FM. This is D Stark, as you can tell by K5R, KNC there. It's got the call sign for them. Everything, it's, uh, it's all there. There's one more possible problem. Now, I've got a hotspot sitting over here that I want to use that's not in that download, and how do I add it? I can edit that file we saw using Excel or even Notepad if I'm feeling kind of brave, or we can just add it through the radio, which is really easy. We need to decide where we want to put it. So what we'll do is bring up the repeater list, pick the repeater groups, and we need to figure out where we want to put it. So I'm just going to pick the southeast because that's where I am. Let's touch the quick button. Um, let's do add. You can pick different types. You can add a DV repeater, DV simplex. Now I'm going to use DV repeater because I've got one of the N5BOC hotspots and like that. And the name, I'll just call it uh, DPLX something short. Select, select, subname. Not sure what subname is, but I've been putting the same thing in there. DPX. Okay. The call sign, this is very important. Put your call sign in there that you're using on your on your hotspot or the call sign of the repeater that you're putting in. So mine is going to be in 5ZNO, obviously, in. Now, this is critical. This is it should be eight characters long. You need to put the mo the node. Mine's going to be a Bravo because it's a UHF hotspot and the Bravo needs to be in the eighth character, eighth position. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then I'll put a B because mine's a UHF. And we'll touch the selector and touch it again. And you can see the gateway is in 5Z and OG, which is the default. Now there's a group here. You can put it in a certain group. I'm going to leave it on southeast. It doesn't really matter. <clears throat> as long as I know where it is to go find it. Use from, I'll pick yes. The frequency, I'll pick, I'll put uh, four. Mine's, at, mine's on 439 megahertz, exactly. And it is duplex and five megahertz offset. And you can put the GPS coordinates in here if you want, the UTC if you want. You don't have to. My, I think I'm at minus six right now. Fine. It doesn't really matter. And scroll all the way down to add right. Uh, so yes. And it's there. And there's my DPX. And so it's there. Now let's, uh, let's uh, key up and see if it uh, answers. It did. You can see it answered back. So that, that's working. Uh, also notice that my power's on high. On the 51 and 52, the power's in a different place. So hold down the right side of the rocker switch and it'll bring the power settings. Because it's just right there, I usually run super low and it allows my battery to last longer. So let's do it again. And you can see that it uh, is answering. It's really easy to manage your repeater list and stuff on here. The radio is super easy to set up. It's uh, it's really been a great radio. I've loved my ID51 and I still do, and never really thought they could really improve on it very much, but they but they have. So, 
Anyway, I hope you find this useful if you're getting ID52 or just got one and you need a hand. Um, you run into any other issues that you have questions about, let me know and I'll do my best to try to answer them. I hope you enjoyed it. 73. I got a comment on that ID52. George, when you check into the net, I that is the best sounding D-Star audio I have ever heard. I know I know ICOM's a sponsor, but I just call it like I see them. Well, you know, I kind of noticed the same thing, Mike. The first time I turned it on, I said, man, do I sound good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, you know, qualified is, you know, I don't sound like I normally sound on D-Star. Well, I even went. To, I went to the mirror and looked at myself. I even looked good with it. Well, <laughs> I, I won't comment on that. Don't. But... <laughs> I, think I like the, the room uh, butters. I like the, I like the bionic uh, menu browsing there, Tommy. Yeah. That, that you must have had some expensive modifications for those <laughs> to be able. To... <laughs> Just the coffee and tea. Ah, it's the energy and the, the rum butter. It's the rum butter. Yeah. And yeah, we were talking about the um, the rum butter a while ago. He said, what, you might might need a surge yeah, suppressor. Surge suppressor. says there's uh, 2,000 kJ kilojoules of energy in here in this one small box. So. Hmm. Thanks for doing that, Tommy. I know a lot of people are, are wanting to know how to program that. And the ID51 is... Very, very similar. Yeah, it is. But a lot of people think they got to have the software mm-hmm. to do it, and that's what I want to do it without the software. All you, <laughs> all you need is a computer to get the file, and, and you can do pretty well everything else from the radio. And it's really easy if you just look around through that quick that quick button. That's the key to everything. Yeah. I think I've only used that. I can't remember the name of the software now from Icon, but I think I've ever only used it twice, and everything else has been manual additions or mm-hmm. modifications uh, direct from the uh, front panel interface. I happen to have an actual email here myself. Awesome. Yeah. I don't have any pictures to go with it. Want borrow some of mine? Uh, that's okay. Okay. Uh, this one says, Hi, Professor Thomas. First, thanks very much for the invitation to join Mr. Ray and Dean Martin for the information on the ID52A, and he's talking about the video we did with Ray mm-hmm. a while back. Did I hear correctly that you could connect to a repeater with the data in the ID52A without doing a code plug? Did he hear correctly, Tommy? Connect to a repeater with the data in the ID52A without doing that code plug thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, it comes uh, loaded with some some already in there. Yeah, I showed you uh, on my segment. We just saw mm-hmm. uh, some of the re- re- D-Star repeaters are already preloaded in there. Yeah, so you can just go right down to them and mm-hmm. and just transmit on. You don't have to do any setup on it. It's already pre-programmed. You just load your list into it and yeah. Whatever and I would want. imagine it's probably a fairly current list. It just didn't have the FM stuff in there. Anyway, he says, I have passed my extra and have yet to make a QSO or handle a radio. Sincerely, KC9TPR, William Dabbs. Oh. You know, I remember when he passed his general and he hadn't talked on the air yet. 
We need to do something about that. And he's an extra now, and he still hasn't. I guess maybe you ought to uh, you ought to send him your radio since it's already <laughs> programmed. <laughs> no, don't think that'll work. No, okay. that's not a good idea. Yeah, we'll have to try something else. But anyway, uh, thanks for well, maybe the email. when he sees uh, sees that and watches this sec- this show here, you you can use it. Without having to do anything to it right out of the box. Oh yeah. And then it's you can see from the segment I just did, it's really easy to update the list. Oh you yeah. don't have to do anything special. I guess before we get out of here, let's go around the horn and see if anybody's got anything else. Tommy? I don't have too much to add. Uh, it's been a fun show and thanks again to Nigel for sending the care package. Uh, really appreciate that. It's yeah. nice to see him on again this evening. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Email. You know, George, I uh, talked about this, but I recently uh, uh, joined a uh, club here that I think some of you guys might be on. Let's see if I can get this in there. Looks oh. like I'm a looks yeah. like I'm a, I'm a vec now. I'm still a general class, so I can only test certain ones. But uh, I did join the ranks to help uh, bring some new hams into oh. the uh, hobby. So yeah, congrats. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I haven't used it yet, but uh one day we will and looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh yeah, welcome to the ranks email. Glad to see you in the club. Well, Mike, any uh final thoughts up there? Well, uh we have a uh a holiday Monday and at least in the province of Ontario anyway. There's a few other provinces that have it in February, but um so, yeah, Monday, I've got the day off. So a long weekend for me. Cool. Yeah, uh, Monday, I'm off, too. It's President's Day here. Yeah, well, I'm not off. Yeah. Same. Same. Tommy, in case someone doesn't have a friend in New Zealand on the fire department and they needed some, Something to some wear. spiffy wardrobe. Oh, I know. What, what could they do? You go to the Amateur Logic Swag store. Shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash amateur logic. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Caps, like the ones, uh, they don't have the kind like Emil's got with the dog teeth on them. They got the, we got the good ones like uh, Glenn had, the one he had on Emil's segment that didn't have the dog teeth marks on them. But if you want the dog teeth marks, I'm sure Emil can have his dog customize it for you. (laughs) We can hook you up. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Uh, And... You know, throughout the month, we've got stuff going on on some of our social media networks. Uh, That's, well, there's a number of them. Uh, Facebook, we've got an AmateurLogic.tv group there. You can follow us at AmateurLogic on Twitter. Uh, We've got a group on MeWe and uh, Groups.io, so join us at any of those places. And you can get the show notes after the shows at the Amateur Logic Wiki, amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. The Amateur Logic Soundcheck Net, as you can see, it's every Tuesday night, uh, 8 Central Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, or 0200 UTC until the time changes, then that part will change. Join us on there. You, sh- you should check it out. It's, it's It really, truly is a lot of fun. All right. 7-3, everyone. Have a great week. 73, everybody. 73.
You uh, you had left the. <laughs> There's you another blooper, Arnie. Shop.amateurlogic.com forward slash amateurlogic. No, that's not right. Shot. Well, don't do what I say. Just do what's on the screen. <laughs>